Welcome to Scenes of Beauty, a platform that is here to empower you to embrace your most authentic self and celebrate your own version of beauty, whatever that might be. I'm Chloe and I'm making it my mission to help people find and live their truest selves. If you're enjoying listening to the podcast and taking things away from it, hit the follow and subscribe button, share with friends and on your socials. I'm at the very beginning of the Scenes of Beauty journey and it helps more than you know to grow the platform. Jamelia Donaldson. A beauty founder and entrepreneur of Treasure Tress, Europe's largest subscription box for naturally kinky curly hair. Although she's a beauty founder and entrepreneur, Jamelia posts a lot of content on her social media pages about empowerment, loving yourself exactly as you are, and really celebrating being enough by just being you. So as soon as I came across her profile, I knew that she had to be on the podcast. She has a really realistic approach to mindset, entrepreneurship and self-love, which I find super refreshing in a space where we're constantly bombarded with content and insight into how we should all be living our lives and loving ourselves. Jamelia seems to have created her own version of what self-empowerment means and I found it really interesting to dig into it a little bit more, how she's avoided some of the noise from social media and just created this space that she's really happy and comfortable with. We go through the journey of how Treasure Tress was built, mainly from Jamelia's own frustrations and experiences with the lack of hair care that was available to her. She shares the risks that she took along the way and believing in herself to create a business and a life that she really loves living. If there's one thing to take away from this episode, it's to remove all of the pressure that you're putting on yourself to be perfect, to be just like them, to constantly practice self-love and just learn to be yourself. Live your life, be you, focus on being content and do what makes you happy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Jamelia's version of beauty. Hi, Jamelia. Hey, Glory, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Feeling much better this week than I did last, which is always good. Good. Yeah, you were ill last week. 
Yes, sadly. But yeah, I think I just needed to rest. So I've definitely done that this weekend, which was good. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're feeling better. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really excited. We were just chatting actually. And I kind of said I came across your profile on Instagram. And I loved how you were talking about empowerment and kind of your self growth journey. But then it just so happened that you had a beauty brand. So it was kind of the perfect fit. And But let's kind of, for people who might not know who you are, or for people who might not have heard of Treasure Tress, what kind of, give people a bit of an intro into who you are. Sure. So my name's Shamelia Donaldson. I'm essentially a beauty founder, beauty entrepreneur. I launched Treasure Tress, which is Europe's largest subscription service for women with naturally kinky curly hair. To be honest, anyone with naturally kinky curly hair. Um, primarily because I was really frustrated about the lack of access to quality products in the UK market. So I spent a lot of time abroad, primarily in the US, and I was always blown away by how many options they had. Um, Even down to like SBS, they have so many in the market versus the UK. There's just such a huge difference when it comes to beauty. And I was really frustrated that they had so many options for textured hair, whereas the UK didn't have many, if any. And so I was really keen to just bridge that gap whereby consumers like me could access new and exciting products, but equally have a really positive beauty experience because for so long and a common thread amongst women with textured hair has been that when we were younger as kids, getting our hair done was almost torment. Like it wasn't something that we looked forward to. And so I've been really excited to just spin that narrative and create a box that is exciting, and women look forward to it every month and washing their hair seems like therapy. It seems like self-care. It seems like a spa day as opposed to like a dreaded wash day. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I have a lot of friends who are kind of black and mixed and I've seen the pain and I've seen the products <laughs> in the wardrobe that it takes to like get hydrated yeah. hair and like naturally curly hair as well to keep the curl. So mm-hmm. um, we'll dig into that a little bit. Um, as we kind of go and, and talk um but yeah, how, sure. how where were you let's go back like right to your roots and like through a beauty angle but also through like a self-growth and self-development angle because I know you talk a lot yeah. about on your socials but yeah let's just go back to your kind of roots so to speak and like where you were brought up and you kind of your environment whether you want to bring family into that kind of let's just mm-hmm. set the scene there a little bit Sure. So I was born and raised in North London. Um, middle child. So I've got a younger brother. I've got an older brother. <laughs> it's a thing, right? It is. It's a whole experience. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was me, middle child, older brother, younger brother. Um, always been obsessed with beauty. Like I used to spend so much time in the bathroom, just like reading the labels and the di- directions on how to use beauty products loved watching my mum do her hair and makeup always used to get in trouble in school for not paying attention and playing with someone's hair but equally started earning money in primary school from doing people's hair quite early on and then my mum my mum's a teacher um I grew up in a single parent household and my mum got the opportunity to teach abroad and so we moved to Atlanta when I was about 10 years old and we lived there for a year and that was like my first experience of seeing like an upper and middle class a thriving upper and middle class black community like I had never seen so many well-off black professionals anywhere 
especially not concentrated in one city. So for me, Atlanta was like a really big turning point in yeah. my upbringing. So what was kind of, what was the difference between your kind of situation in the, in the UK in terms of surroundings and stuff versus that in Atlanta? Yeah, I would say, um, I think it was like the concentration of diversity in Atlanta versus London. Like, obviously London is a very diverse city, but the UK, the black population accounts for like 4%. Yeah. And so as much as you will see black people, mixed race people in and around the UK, your doctor being black, your family solicitor being black, yeah. your teachers, like that just doesn't exist that just doesn't happen here very frequently yeah. whereas in Atlanta it seems like every like rank of society was occupied by a well-to-do black person and that for me really shifted my perspective as far as seeing myself in so many different professions in so many different spaces and it was really really inspiring yeah um so that for me was like one of the standout moments in my childhood that definitely helped me shift gears and think oh wow one, I can live anywhere in the world that I feel like. Two, there's so much more to life outside of the UK because obviously ahead of them, I'd only experienced the UK yeah. and the US one on holiday. Um, made some really good friends, some I'm still friends with to this day, but it generally just like shifted my perspective. Came back to the UK, jumped straight back into the same primary school. So that was my same friends, we were reunited, which was cute. Mm -hmm. And then I went to an all girls secondary school. Um, and that's where like my love for beauty just continued to grow <laughs> because everyone wanted their hair braided. Um, yeah, hair and makeup was like the topic of every conversation. Mm -hmm. And then I went to a sixth form as opposed to a college and I studied the international baccalaureate versus A-levels primarily because of that international perspective. So I wanted to maintain the option to pursue a career anywhere in the world versus just the UK. Then I went on to uni. I really wanted to study law. Sadly, I missed the grades that I needed for law. Um, with the IB, you get points as opposed to like A, B, C, D. Mm -hmm. And I was short two points of the law degree. And so I decided I had no choice but to choose another course or choose another university. Yeah. But I had my heart set on Aston University in Birmingham. So I was like, look, I'm going to go to the same university. I'm just going to do a different course. And so coincidentally, but not so coincidentally, I chose business and international relations and not for the business aspect at all, but primarily because it had the international, um, the international relations part, which required me or enabled me to get some work experience abroad. Mm -hmm. And really long story short, my first internship, I went to Beijing for a month. Um, and there I undertook a marketing internship, which was a great experience. Ironically, I ran out of hair products while I was in Beijing. Hmm. And so went on a bit of a manhunt looking for products. Obviously, there that must have been tough in Beijing. Hair. Yeah, literally the worst place in the world. So I resorted to going to a Russian supermarket and um, buying a shoe brush and using that as a bristle brush for my hair. I bought some like really cheap gel which didn't work at all and I bought um some herbal essences conditioner which didn't really do me any favors and I just didn't take any pictures for the rest of that trip I don't think I can even find any pictures from that trip now actually oh, and then shortly after Beijing I went to New York which was like the complete other end of the spectrum like beauty heaven options galore 
done an entertainment PR and marketing PR internship while I was in New York, which was really fun, learned so much. And um, primarily about like pitching to brands, sponsorships, event coordination, which all became really handy once I had launched Treasure Tress. Yeah. And then came back to the UK after interning for free for a year. And I was like, I just need to earn some money. Um, <laughs> so like, what career pays really well? Finance pays really well. So I undertook the internship at an asset management firm. They offered me their graduate scheme. So I joined after I graduated as a graduate launched Treasure Trust while I was there as an Instagram page and then was doing both so moonlighting working really really to all of to all hours of the morning um, and then working all throughout the day at my corporate job and then it got to the point where I was reached burnout like I couldn't do both and I was like look I'm, I think I was like 23 I was like I'm 23 I've got lots of time I've got lots of options let me just see what happens if I just pursue this business and so took a leap of faith and have continued to grow the business from there. And it, I mean, it's not the fairy tale that I just made it sound like, but mm -hmm. yeah, that was the decision that led to the series of events that grew the business to where it is now. Yeah, that's so interesting because there's so much in there. Like when you reflect back, there's so much in mm -hmm. there kind of like the braiding hair at school or the learning things at uni or on your internship yeah. or whatever having that um experience in at in Atlanta probably drove to this like subconsciously which is really interesting mm -hmm. well talk to me about like braiding hair at school and like because that's interesting to me because one it's obviously what you've ended up the industry that you've ended up building a career and a business in but equally yeah. that's a real entrepreneurial mindset to make money by braiding people's hair and using your skill at such a young age yeah and to be honest I don't ever realize that until I have conversations like this because yeah. to me it was just like I loved hair I loved playing with hair loved trying out new styles loved doing my own hair and then was getting asked by other people to do their hair and I was like sure um I don't even remember the point at which I started getting paid to do it but I just remember it being break time it was probably a case of like two people wanting me to do their hair, one person offering to pay, one person not. And so me going with the person that offered to pay. But yeah. Uh, yeah, started earning money at lunchtime. And then my mum started, no, my mum's friends started to notice and they started asking me to do their daughter's hair. And so they started paying me like £15 a head versus like the £5 that I was getting at school. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like a lot of money at the time. Yeah. Um, so I think it was almost like, yeah the demand was just there so I just tapped into it and was like okay people want me to braid their hair I'll braid their hair um I'll do it in my lunch times and I'll do it after school and yeah I enjoy it so I'll see I'll see what where I go with it yeah and I guess like again subconsciously you were learning about like other women's or other girls experiences of hair and learning about like their obsessions with beauty or their frustrations with beauty and again like it's just taking in loads of data it's it's interesting really isn't it what, what it sort is. of stuff like did you learn through that experience um I think I definitely learned and was most surprised by the fact that like not everyone loves beauty as much as I do yeah. <laughs> so some women were like oh like dreaded getting their hair done um and all were like really grateful to have have their hair done so that they wouldn't have to do it whereas for me that was never my experience like I loved playing with my hair I still do love playing with my hair so 
one it was like okay to some women their hair is a burden as opposed to like this fun thing that they get to play around with but mm. what I realized is they only perceived it to be a burden because they didn't know how to do it they weren't educated they weren't patient and there's obviously this really really loud beauty standard that you can't ignore as a young woman that tells you what beauty looks like and the further away from that standard they are the harder it is to innately just love yourself Mm -hmm. I feel like um, one of the things that I learned when I decided to stop like wearing my hair straight all of the time was just completely like rewiring my brain to understand that just because my hair's not straight doesn't mean that I'm not beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it took me a really, really long time to understand that. And I think that that is a really big part of Treasure Trust as a brand in particular, because it's pretty much women who have either undergone that journey or undergoing that journey or are actively and proactively making sure that the younger women in their life don't have to go through that period. That I think it resonates with so many people. Um, And I also don't think that it's exclusive to only black women or exclusive to only women with curly hair. I think that there are so many beauty standards. Um, And I think that everyone in their own way has to go through a journey of unlearning, relearning, and ultimately just accepting what their form of beauty is. Yeah. And then making the choice just to celebrate whatever that looks like for you. Yeah, just to unpick, because I think that's a really interesting point. And it's actually a big part of why I started the podcast. And from kind of my own experiences, like from when I was younger and stuff and feeling like I didn't fit in or whatever. But then also from building a career in the beauty industry and realizing kind yeah. of it from the other side. And a lot of the times these three people in a room making these decisions that go out to then like, hundreds and thousands and millions of people and that to me blows my mind because how diverse can you be between a room full of people making decisions that then goes in thousands of stores worldwide like it, it I just find it so interesting um me too I it, it it honestly blows my mind but those what is your version of like beauty standards that were set for you when you were younger? And I'm asking this because obviously everyone grows up in different environments, surroundings, parents, families, like different levels Mm. and variants of beauty. I would say my standard of beauty, I think, well, social media definitely wasn't around. Right. So the only media that I was consuming was the TV and in all of the beauty ads, I just remember it being white women with straight hair, white women with long straight hair. Um, and then down to toys, I think my mum, my mum's a teacher. So she was always really intentional about making sure that I had like really diverse books and making sure that I had dolls that looked like me, but they were really few and far between. So compared to the distribution of Barbies, obviously I had a lot of Barbies in comparison yeah. and Barbies were white, slim with straight hair. Uh, there was a time I remember one Barbie in particular she got me a Cinderella Barbie which was a, a black Barbie with like a really big dress um absolutely beautiful equally though her hair was straight so it's like it's it almost looks like me but not really because at that age I didn't know how to, how to straighten my hair I, I didn't know how to blow dry my hair so I couldn't manipulate my hair in any way yeah and so to me it just looked like okay this is a Barbie this is what beautiful looks like but I don't look like that and so yeah then that means that I'm not beautiful because I don't look how these props in society look yeah so yeah if I had to define beauty at that point I'd pretty much define it by like the Barbie brand at the time which was Mm. white slim with straight hair it's it's interesting isn't it you don't even 
realize it like I don't even think I realized it at all no I moved to London when I was about 26 25 26 and then I started realizing like what had happened like why I got so why I was feeling so insecure about myself and then you look back and you're like actually all I've seen is is white women who are slim with long blonde hair and and it's mm-hmm. it's a precedent for everyone like it's it's crazy isn't it it is it is and then I guess then we entered like the MTV era the MTV base era where okay I'm starting to see women that look a little bit more like me but equally they're hypersexualized, and that's not really appropriate for me as a 10 year old girl yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. like you're in this weird space where I like do you compare yourself to the girls on TV or do you compare yourself to Barbie don't really like neither of them really hit the nail on the head yeah. so it kind of just leaves you in a space of okay cool I guess I just I just I, I guess I just don't fit that definition yeah yeah it's yeah it's a struggle how you said like you really put some work into changing the narrative of kind of what beauty means and beauty standards in your own mind like what what does that mean and how did you start to do that because I guess a lot of people I think in in honesty I think in cities Mm -hmm. or my experience anyway because you're from London so you might have a different experience to this but I'm countryside in Yorkshire and for me, I go home and it's literally like going back 10 years because it's still the same conversations happening. I'm like, guys, this, <laughs> we can all be confident and we can all change our own narrative and they think journaling's like woo-woo and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, um, but how, yeah, how did you try and change your own narrative? I think as negative or as much as a bad rep social media gets, for me, it was a huge tool in just manipulating my view of the world so Mm -hmm. I was intentionally curating a feed that forced me to digest women who looked like me in some shape or form um so I could finally find images of black women mixed race women multicultural women multiracial women who various different skin shades various different skin types various different curl patterns various different textures and I was just able to just consume that day to day so instead of looking for hair inspiration on tv or in a magazine I was relying on social media okay what's Pinterest saying what's what's Instagram saying which account should I follow whose hair looks like it behaves like mine who's using products that I would use and so for me I was able to completely change my lens on beauty by relying on social media Mm. yeah yeah that's I've had a few people on the podcast who have said the same thing about like really curating their feeds. And again, I think like, I've said it a hundred times on here, but when I first started doing the podcast, I actually had a really bad negative relationship with social media. Now I love it Mm. and I use it as a tool for information. And like, I love seeing what my friends do, but equally I don't follow it funny because I work in influence marketing, but I don't follow (laughs) loads of influencers who edit photos and because that's just not me and it doesn't help how I feel about myself so I mm-hmm. do like making your social media a happy place and I also agree that it can have so many positives um more so than more so than negative I don't know but I think if you do curate your feed then it you can make it a space that is comfortable and safe for you exactly and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that you use it as a tool because it is about using social media otherwise social media will absolutely use it yeah. 
and <laughs> it will leave you in a really yeah. bad place. So as long as you're active and proactive in the fact that, okay, I'm using social media to serve this purpose for me. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was using social media to help change my lens on what beauty looks like. Mm-hmm. And I was able to successfully do that. Of course, you can't escape the big ads. You can't escape the paid ads. You can't escape other things that are being forced down your throat through various different mediums. But what you can do is curate your feed as much as possible, check in on it as much as possible. But also I really like to challenge myself. Like if I'm drawn to a photo, as random as it might sound, like on my explore page, I will consider like, why, why why did I like this photo so much? Like, what is it about this photo that has drawn me to it? Um, And then if I find myself going down a bit of a rabbit hole whereby like everyone kind of looks exactly the same, um, then I'll pretty much yeah step away a little bit and reconfigure what my what my feed looks like um and also just take breaks from it as well like I don't think it's ever healthy to be online 24 7 so taking time offline um especially with beauty like that's so important because you need to get used to playing around with with your hair with your makeup trying different techniques even with your fashion you do need to spend that time in real life with yourself so that will require you to have some distance from socials, which I think is is important. Yeah, I co- I completely agree. And like, um, having time off is so interesting, isn't it? It's almost like a like a mental holiday. It is. It is. I took some time off last week, and I came back online today properly, and I saw that someone had created a profile of mine, like had replicated my profile. Oh my god, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, social media is a strange place when it wants to be, but most it of the is. time it's, it can be a good place. <laughs> yeah. What is like, what is your always on relationship with it? Because I do think people who create content or have a following or are trying to build a following or whatever, there's a fear of like being always on and being sharing too much and sharing, not sharing too much or what to share and then how to kind of, keep it going because you said you were on a break then and I guess a lot of people who looking from the outside in who have followings or who have businesses or who feel like they need to be on all the time it might be quite surprising that you have social breaks yeah I wouldn't say that there's something I'm like I stick to and like it's heavy in my calendar it genuinely just is a case of like oh wow I've not posted in like a week okay I've not really like been on my feed in a week um but for me it was just a matter of prioritization like I knew that we were moving office. I knew that like there were some important client pictures that I wanted to prepare for. I knew that there were important things happening. And so for me, social media wasn't the top of that list. Um, But you're right, in owning a brand, I do like to stay very close to our social media page and just see like, okay, what are people DMing? What are the comments like? So kind of check in and check out. But I was very mindful of, okay, I have a set amount of, I have a finite amount of energy for this week. The most important things this week are this um, and social media will be there for as long as it is. So once I have finished the most important things for me, then I can jump back on social media and post. But as I said, it's not anything dramatic. It's not in my calendar. I don't announce an exit or anything. I'm just like, okay, this is a busy week. This isn't my top priority, Um, but I do want to check in on it at some point. And so I will. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember, like, it's always going to be there, isn't it? It's always, like, it's not going, nothing changes when you have a week off. Nothing. 
nothing. And you always see those memes about people saying like, why do people announce that they're taking social media breaks, just go. And I find them hilarious because it actually, it really is true though. Like, and I think that's generally in life, like things just go on with or without you, as sad and as morbid (laughs) as it is, life always goes on. So it's safe to say that like, if you need to take a moment, take a moment, no one will probably notice. Um, and yeah. it will do you more good than it would harm, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. Let's talk about your like personal social media um, because mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. And I think you share little bits about your life and you share things about you, but you also share like a lot of empowerment stories and quotes and captions and stuff. So can we talk about mm-hmm. like the the building of that and the why of that because that to me is really interesting sure and um, thank you for that by the way um <laughs> I can't say that there's like much of a strategy to it or much yeah there's not much of a strategy to it or much there's not too much thought that goes into it even though I do like write really long captions um but primarily I like to use it as almost like a personal log and I spend yeah. quite some time on my page just like scrolling down because I remember posting the first day that I took Treasure Trust full time. And I've almost continued to just document like my journey from there. So for me, it's yeah. really helpful to use it as like a scrapbook where I can just look to like scroll down, read my captions and think, oh yeah, I remember that version of me. I remember what she was going through at that stage. Um, wow, I've come a long way. Or it could even be the yeah. case of, oh my gosh, wow, I feel like I'm back at that stage, but now I know more than I did then. Um, so I'm able to hold empathy for myself in that. But I like to yeah. use it as, yeah, it's like a personal scrapbook, also a way to give, I try to give a relatively realistic view of like the work that I do, because I think that, I don't think girl boss culture is as much of a thing as it was a few years ago, but there was a time when it was heavy. It was a lot. And there was just this, um, I think there was just like this unspoken pressure that like everyone had to be an entrepreneur and everyone had to be a girl boss. And and it just seemed like it was something that happened overnight and it was super easy. But I know for mm-hmm. me, Treasure Chest is my first, yeah, it's like my first proper business. I'm a first time founder. I'm figuring out a lot of things as I go. And I know that I've been able to build community, build relationships, build friendship with people online based on the fact that I have shared honest accounts of things happening and they've been they felt welcome enough to like jump in my dms and be like hey jamina i know you posted about this can you tell me a little bit more about this or like hey have you experienced Mm -hmm. this this is what i'm going through so i've enjoyed the ability to build community just by sharing like my personal genuine authentic experience of the journey that i'm on yeah i love that i've never heard anyone talk about their social media as like a scrapbook I really like that I think it's interesting and I think I think what you've created is is community but I also think it's like a quite a happy place like um I don't know you just go onto your feed and I take so much inspiration from it and and just the little quotes and stuff and and I read the captions as well and I find them I find them empowering and I find them really interesting I find I think it's a really good way to use social media I hope people like take that away because I've yeah never heard it before and I think it's a good way to look at it thank you I think um yeah I think that's like one of the beauties of it like I I love images anyway because they quite literally capture a moment in time 
the fact that you're able to pair that with words and it can live on for as long as you like it as you would like it to I think there's quite mm-hmm. there's something quite powerful in that and I'm someone that's very much intentional about my growth but I also like to track it as much as I can and so to be able to refer back to like moments in time that have passed and compare where I am now versus where I am then or like even my mindset like maybe my body maybe like the health of my hair like I'm able to compare those things because I've got a track record of it and some of it might live in the archives some of it might be active on my feed but yeah I do really just enjoy having that like point of reference that I can refer to at any moment in time. You mentioned before about um, like being a girl boss and being an entrepreneur and I'm presuming because you said that you felt the pressure of being that like previously or have Um, you? No, I can't lie, I haven't. Okay, that's interesting because I'm just asking, well I'm thinking like I get it a lot like I see a lot and I put on myself and a lot of my friends feel it like mm-hmm. people are loving leveling up and girls are leveling up and I feel like I'm <laughs> yeah. like caught in the rat race and I don't quite know where to go with it am I doing enough is my career enough do I have to have a side hustle like do I have to be posting all the time like and I think it mm. is a lot of pressure like how do you stay away from it yeah I don't to be honest I don't think that pressure is exclusive to like people that are working a nine-to-five I feel like even as an entrepreneur like there's so much content around entrepreneurship online it's almost impossible not to compare yourself to others and I think that is one of the downfalls of social media I don't think that our parents or grandparents had this much visibility into other people's lives um whereas we do but the catch is that we only have visibility to what they want to show us so we never Mm -hmm. have the full picture And so I always try to remember that. But equally, I think that's why having an active life offline and like having a life that you're proud of offline really, really helps. Because the minute you get into like that, that area of comparison, you can literally just step away. You can literally close Mm -hmm. that up and return to your day to day life and think, okay, what's one nice thing I'm going to do for myself? Or equally, like, just reflect, okay, this is how this person's doing. That's great. But I know that this time last year I was working in this place and I was in this position and what I learned was this and I've applied it to where I am now so I don't Mm. think that the comparison ever goes away and yeah yeah I I don't think any profession that you're in I don't think it goes away there's always another list there's always another competition there's always another award there's always something else and so I don't think it's exclusive to those that are in a nine-to-five it absolutely holds true for entrepreneurs but I think again it's that thing of creating space between on the online world and your offline in real life world and just allowing your offline world to actually have value as well as opposed to just relying on like what social media is hype about at the moment yeah god that's so true isn't it to have I've heard people say it about like relationships and dating and like make sure you have like your own self-love and you don't rely on like being validated by a guy or whoever you're dating or whatever but I've never heard it in the respect of social media um and like taking that perspective of making sure your life outside of social media is richer than your life on social media Mm -hmm. and I feel like you can I feel like it kind of permeates I I mean, I don't know everyone on my social media personally, but I can kind (laughs) of get a sense for like the people who just seem to have a really joyous life. 
and I think that it like permeates through their posts so like yeah. almost like you can run into someone on the street and you can tell when someone's having a good day or a bad day kind of the same if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Thing. like people on social media I think it can be quite clear like who has like a really rich and fulfilling life and social media is just an aspect of it versus whose life is social media and for me I would yeah. always prefer to be the former rather than the latter so yeah no I completely agree let's talk about like um mindset and like mm-hmm. growth because you talked about like moving intentionally from like a growth perspective um and then obviously you seem quite in tune with like yourself and your mindset and the power you that you hold as an individual where has that come from have you have you always been that way or do you think it's something that's Um, come with time or have you actively practiced self-love like confidence empowerment yeah Um, I would definitely say that it's been a journey and I would say that as a child I kind of had seasons so there was a point when my mum said that I just didn't speak to anyone like would not speak to strangers no was absolutely having none of it and then I got to like my primary school days where I was like so confident so outgoing like I was ready to perform a dance at any moment in time (laughs) I was asking teachers like can I can I do a performance in assembly like I was so outgoing and then I entered (laughs) my early teens and then became really really shy and it's so funny because my long-term friends a lot of their mums are like oh my god I can't believe that I saw Jamelia speaking and doing this that and the other because they know me to be like this really shy girl and then I think from that moment on that kind of coincided with a point with the like beauty standards conflict where I was like okay I'm feeling insecure in my body anyway because my body's changing I've got these emotions these hormones I don't know what's going on with them but equally I don't look the way that I think I should look and so I think from that moment on that's when a real journey started of like okay I need to figure out like how I'm gonna live like who am I gonna be 
how am I going to show up how I used to show up um yeah how am I going to show up how I used to show up and almost return to that younger version of myself where I was like not necessarily outgoing but where I was really confident where I wasn't trying to like hide my talents from the world but instead I wanted to share them with the world and so I think my mum has a lot to do with that because she's if you think my captions are long, you should see the cards I get from my mom. <laughs> She'll write mini essays. But I think she's been really intentional about telling me, like, you're very beautiful, you're very intelligent, like, you can literally do anything. Likewise, my dad, um, likewise, my brothers, actually. So I think I've had a lot of positive reinforcement from those areas. But as I'm sure you'll know, as a young girl, it means nothing if you don't believe it yourself. And so mm-hmm. believing it myself just looks like deciding okay I'm gonna like I'm gonna evolve in this life I want a really really good life and so I'm gonna start seeking out resources that will help me do that so that first started with books um then it started with then when podcasts were available started listening to podcasts and then YouTube channels when I found YouTube channels that I felt were in tune and aligned with what I was trying to achieve paying more attention to that And then just being really intentional about my energy and like where I was spending time and what I was consuming, because otherwise you'll be caught in the trap of just scrolling for hours and hours, looking at everyone else live their best life and you're just the audience. I was like, I I don't want to actually just be the audience. Like I want to actively participate in this world and I want to actively contribute it, contribute to it. So what are the things that I can do that would enable me to do that? Yeah. And what, what were those things? Um, I think it's just the confidence to like have an idea and put it out there. Like have an mm-hmm. idea and share it and put it out there. Because I think the feeling that I felt when I was working in corporate was like, this is great. These people are absolute geniuses. The money's really good. But I've got this idea and it won't leave me alone. Like I had the idea for the subscription box and literally every morning I was thinking about it throughout the day I was thinking about it and it was like okay I don't think that this is normal <laughs> like maybe this is a sign that it's something that I should actually pursue and so yeah. once I started started with the Instagram page and then started hosting some events and then launched a subscription and then it was almost like a um, domino effect like things like one action just kept leading to another action slash reaction and that's when I was like okay I think I'm onto something But the process of like having an idea and releasing it into the world and sticking with it made me feel like, okay, I'm an active participant in this world as opposed to just an observer. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess kind of the lesson there or the, the, the underlying is like believe in yourself and just follow your gut. Yeah. And I don't think exactly. And again, I don't think that always looks like starting a business. It can be like you have this really transformative idea for a department in your in your company. You're not in that department, but you think that it would be an absolute hit and you really want to like see it come to life. Or it could be like there's this uh, talent that you really, really want to work with. There's a campaign that you want to revolu- revolutionise that will completely change the way the brand is perceived. It could be that thing. Mm-hmm. Or it could be like you're volunteering at the weekend and you really want to set up like, I don't know, a new workshop for young girls um, in your area. It, it could be anything. 
or it could be like you've had this recipe in your mind that you can't get out of your mind and so you really just want to make it and you're probably going to record it and write it on a blog to share with people that are equally as passionate I think it's just the art of like thinking of something and allowing yourself to be passionate because yeah I think school does a really terrible job of trying to direct our, our passions to like science English maths and if you don't fall into yeah. one of those, then it's like, that's not important, but actually it is important. And it's actually what brings the color and the vibrancy to life for so many people. So yeah. yeah, I think it's like that daring to express, sounds corny, but like express your heart's desires or like express the things that you're passionate about, no matter how big or how small and not allowing the world to define how significant it is. Because I think that is a trap that social media does perpetuate sadly whereby like everything is measured whereas sometimes like you just want to do something for the sake of it and enjoy it and that's actually something that I want to do more of this year intentionally yeah god that that's like so thought-provoking I'm like where do we go (laughs) because I think you're right like I think people put so much pressure on themselves to do this big massive thing when actually mm-hmm. a lot of times the big things or the success comes from like taking small steps and as long as you're going again sounds cliche but as long as you're going in the right direction every day yeah and what does it matter like why does it do you know what I mean I just think people are always focused on the end goal or how do I get here mm-hmm. or how do I get a life like theirs or how do I yeah. I aspire to be them like how do I get there and it's always about the end rather than what can I do today and let's just do my best and then tomorrow comes and let's do the same again literally and when I get too much like that and I get too in my head I always just have to remind myself that like forward is forward and like yeah yeah, Yeah. progress is progress regardless of the speed it is progress and ultimately a question that I've been asking myself a lot is like where am I rushing to like okay I I really want to hit this goal but there's always going to be another goal after that like it's not the yeah. be all and the end all. And I was actually listening to, I think Candice Brathwaite went live and I was listening mm-hmm. to her live and she said something that I had been considering for a while, which was that um, it's actually not the acquisition of things in life that matters, it's actually the maintenance of them. So it's not mm-hmm. buying a new car. It's like, can you maintain the new car? It's not buying a yeah. house. It's can you maintain the house? it's not starting a business can you maintain the business and I think the maintenance part is the thing that we're we're not taught to celebrate as much even down to relationships like getting married is a huge accomplishment but it does take maintenance and I really now understand why people celebrate anniversaries and like milestones in their relationships because it is a testament to doing the work and maintain and yeah maintaining the relationship And so when I get to thinking about, oh my God, I've not hit this goal, I've not hit that goal, I have to remind myself that forward is forward and it's about the journey. And once I hit that goal, I know that I'm just going to create an even bigger goal. And so I just need to get more satisfied and content with the day-to-day as opposed to only feeling like celebrating when there's this massive milestone or when something really massive happens. Yeah. I also think there's something to be said for like enjoying the journey and and if things come mm-hmm. too easy, it's probably gonna go even easier. Yeah. Um yeah. which I, I kind of live by that because I think if Yeah. I, I live by that because I, I think I know myself and I'm really slow, like I'm really slow paced. So anything that kind of 
not positive or like worthwhile or good that has happened it's taken me a long time to get there anything that's happened like overnight tends to just disintegrate like the moment it's happened um I think that's a great builder of confidence as well though like knowing that you can work slowly at something and produce a result I I think that really helps build self-confidence because you're like Yeah. yeah I can do it yeah yeah I completely agree it's funny isn't it because I've been talking a lot about confidence with with my friends at at the minute and like how do you build confidence because I was struggling with mine a few well for the past few months and I'm like where's it all gone I was so confident like where's where's it all evaporated to and it's a funny one because it's hard to pinpoint and it's one of those things that you can actively work on but you also can't actively work on because it just comes through like experience or like pushing yourself a bit more every day and and it's it's a funny one to kind of grow and develop, isn't it? It is, definitely. And I think everyone takes hits to confidence at various moments. And I think that's why I really, really enjoy observing my nieces because one's six and one's nine. And some of the things they come out with, I just think, wow. <laughs> like, it's like the naivety <laughs> that just yeah. gives them so much confidence and like so much will. And I think that that's really... Um, I think it's really, really admirable. And I do yeah. think that something happens in our teens, in our early adult years that really strips us of that confidence. And as you said, it is like the stretching and like doing things that are really uncomfortable that can really push the needle and get you back on track. Um, yeah. And for me, I do spend a lot of time like, okay, cool. At one moment in time, I thought it would be amazing to have a beauty business. And now I'm doing that. So even if like I haven't hit the massive goals that I've set, like younger Jamelia would actually be really proud of this version of Jamelia because she's yeah. doing something that she enjoys. She's contributing to the world. She's helping women. Um, and I think that's true for what, like whichever career you're in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that you're absolutely doing something that the younger version of you would be like, oh my God, you've got that company. That is so cool. yeah 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 yeah. you get to work with influencers that's amazing and I think it's like allowing yourself those moments to look back and think oh actually what would younger Chloe think about me today I think she would think that I'm pretty cool okay cool um let me take it easy let me do something nice for myself today and then we go again tomorrow and see what happens yeah yeah definitely and it's self-awareness isn't it yeah it is but also not being overly self-aware which I think can sometimes turn to a little bit of like over being overcritical of yourself yeah yeah I think so let's talk about treasure trust because we've mentioned it throughout but keen to kind of Mm -hmm. just dig a bit deeper and firstly share a bit more about what it is because it's obviously um a hair care subscription box um Mm -hmm. but kind of let you give a bit more of a rendition and a rundown into what it is and kind of the building of it and the why behind it? Sure. So Treasure Trust is a monthly product discovery box for those with naturally textured hair, primarily birthed out of the frustration that I had with the lack of access to quality hair products in the UK market across Europe. Um, But equally, it's a really good tool for navigating the options that are available in the market without completely breaking the bank. So mm-hmm. some of the products that we feature in our box are like £20, £25 a bottle. And through our subscription, you get to try the full wash day. So that's essentially four bottles of products for £25 if you choose our monthly subscription. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was really important that 
women, men, children had the opportunity to explore products for their hair at an affordable rate, gain mm-hmm. the understanding that there are brands that actually cater to us and their products do actually work. Yeah. And equally gain an understanding that like exploring hair care should actually be fun. And as much as we all as young people have dreaded wash days, wash days to me now are very, very therapeutic. And I think it's because one, I know that I have the resources to do it. Two, because I've made the decision to enjoy my hair, explore it, experiment. Um, And three, I know that I'm enabling other people to do the same without completely bankrupting themselves because it is really easy to get carried away and try every product on the market. but as mentioned, Treasure Trust is just a really good tool for navigating the market because every month you try something different. Um, and if you find the products that you like, you do have the option to continue to trial those. Yeah. Just give us a bit of an insight into like the pain of washing your hair when you've got like curly textured hair. Cause yeah, like I said earlier, I've got quite a few like black and mixed race friends who have naturally curly hair and and I know it from their experience, but yeah, just because I've heard you talk about it before and it's like a day long and you've got to book a day out of your calendar to wash your hair and it's yeah. this whole thing and there's 1,200 products involved and it, and it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I think as a child, I used to absolutely dread it. I used to just know that like my eyes were going to be stinging because I was gonna, my mum was going to get shampoo in my eyes. Detangling was just going to be painful um and then getting my hair braided was also going to be painful so I just have memories of it not being nice um Mm -hmm. but in the really early days of like ideating treasure chest I discovered natural hair community on YouTube and I noticed that one so many women had like really healthy naturally textured hair and two a lot of them seemed to really really enjoy like the wash day process which to me was a little bit foreign because I was trying to avoid that day as much as possible. Um, And so it was really important for me that when we think about Treasure Trust, we're really mindful of like the language that we use to make sure that it's seen as something positive and something to look forward to, as opposed to like, oh my God, that time's coming around again. I'm going to have to wash my hair. I'm not coming out. Um, And we kind of play with it in the inside of our boxes. So the inside of our boxes, sis, cancel your plans, this wash day. And that is ultimately like, instead of going out, you want to wash your hair because you enjoy it so much, as opposed to like, oh my God, this is painful. Mm. Um, And I think the transition from like, oh my God, this is painful, I hate it, to I'm really looking forward to it, is very much to do with education. Like, do you know which products you should be using at which stage? Do you know how to use them at each stage? Um, And do you know the results that you can achieve? All a part Mm. of understanding that everyone's hair is completely different. And so it is our personal journey that we go on and it is our our personal experience that informs how we feel about ourselves and how we choose to interact with our hair. And a question that I get a lot of the time is, okay, so I've got kinky hair, my cousin's got curly hair, do we get the same box? And my Mm. answer is yes, because we don't divvy up the boxes based on hair type. Because a shampoo is a shampoo, a conditioner is a conditioner, a curl cream is a curl cream you're just going to use them slightly differently and I think the unity that comes with that the shared experience of everyone unboxing their boxes at the same time the influx of content that we get of women washing their hair and enjoying it I think is really important in steering the conversation away from it being like this dreaded experience 
to something that's like actually this is really really fun um mm-hmm. but going back to your question about like why it does take so much time um mm-hmm. it is like the delicacy of our hair I think a really big misconception about textured hair is that because it's like curly it's kinky it's really strong when in fact it's actually one of the most fragile hair types and so you just yeah. need to be really patient with your hair really patient with working through your hair working sessions and I think it's just the patience that makes it take long um yeah I've definitely been able to like wash condition and throw my hair up in a barn within the space of 40 minutes absolutely possible mm-hmm. um but I actually enjoy the more lengthy wash day because I know that when I've got deep conditioner in my hair I'm probably gonna clean up and then I'm gonna light a candle and then I'm gonna chill and then I'm gonna rinse out my hair and so mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like the density of our hair, because there's a lot of it, the texture which needs to be treated with care is what takes long. It can be a lot quicker once you really get to know and understand your hair. But equally, Mm -hmm. I always try to encourage people, one, not to do their hair in a rush because it's just going to lead to breakage, but two, to actually enjoy the process because, yeah, I just don't think it should be dreaded anymore. I think it is something that we should look forward to as we would like look forward to having a really nice bath. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Is Did your hair get quite dehydrated? Yes. <laughs> what, why is that? Yeah. Is that because so, of product or? No, so it's, so naturally straight hair can get quite greasy, primarily because mm-hmm. the scalp naturally releases sebum, which is like a natural oil that comes from your scalp. But as you can imagine with straight hair, it can literally just slide down the strand. Whereas with curly hair, it can't move past the curls. (laughs) So it's not like it can just naturally work its way through. And so a lot of the products and a lot of the focus is focusing on on the ends of your hair because the ends of your hair won't receive the same natural moisture as the roots of your hair. And Mm -hmm. so when I'm speaking with people who are like new to their natural hair journey or new to embracing their natural hair, I always just remind them to just keep the ends of your hair as moisturized as possible because those are the most important parts. That's how you're going to retain length. That's how, how your hair is going to get thicker. That's how your hair is going to get longer. Um, because unlike straight hair, our hair doesn't get naturally greasy. The natural oils mm. don't just slide down the strands of our hair. Instead, we have these really intricate curls that actually require a little bit more TLC. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's like a whole other world, isn't it? Because <laughs> I, feel, I feel like our hair is wash and condition and honestly I leave mine to dry I just it's so it's like a whole it's so fascinating Mm -hmm. that it's completely different it's a completely different technique it is and I think for so long I think what was what can be quite frustrating is that again like the ads on tv like I remember the head and shoulders adverts where like the women just like hold their hair back add the shampoo add the conditioner and then they leave the shower and they're ready to go and yeah. I, I think I've probably tried that when I was younger and it absolutely did not work. But it's yeah. like the realisation that like that that process works for straight hair, but for curly hair, you're just going to need to do things a little bit more different. Yeah. Yeah. What are, um, how did you become like obsessed with hair? Like how did you, obviously it was, you talked about going to Atlanta and stuff, but how did you deep dive into, because obviously beauty is, is so far yeah. and wide. I think, um, yeah, I think my passion for hair was very innate, like genuinely from about the age of three, I just would not stop playing with hair, playing with my mum's hair, playing with people's hair at nursery, like just loved it. 
um yeah I feel like it I feel like it was just innate I was obsessed with it loved playing with it equally I decided I started diving deep into it at quite a young age because my mum used to braid my hair and I used to absolutely hate the styles that she done and I used to know the style that I wanted in my head I would try to communicate it with her and then how my hair looked at the end of it, I was like, and so I used to like go upstairs and take out my hair and then re-braid it the way that I wanted and then that caused me to like really refine my braid technique because Mm -hmm. I just knew how I didn't want my hair to look and it was what my mum was doing so I was like okay let me figure out how to do it myself and then I will and then um I think my awareness about the significance of hair came once I realized that okay there are everyone's hair so different I thought that everyone's hair was exactly like mine and then when I started doing people's hair, I was like, oh, wow, like their hair is actually reacting differently to this technique or this product. And I found that really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Pair that with the internet and the many rabbit holes that you can go down. I was like, oh, wow, there's a whole world that exists of people that are as obsessed with hair as I am. And so, yeah, I guess I kind of find my tribe online. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's interesting for sure, and it's a good, it's a great way to connect. Because I feel like hair is a bit of an underdog when it comes to beauty, um, mm-hmm. because obviously it's all like skincare is obviously massive, and and it grew massively over lockdown. As is makeup is huge with contouring and whatever, and and tutorials online. I feel like hair is just as important because a hair is a lot of your makeup as well. Like it's the first thing that people see, which is obviously your face is but it's it's a part of it and I feel like it it kind of gets forgotten about in terms of hair care yeah I think that um hair is just so significant and Mm. so significant for so many reasons I feel like it can say a lot about a person without them even having to speak like your hair texture alone kind of gives me an indication of oh okay this is your ethnic makeup this is where your family's from like there's just so much that it indicates and I always say that hair and beauty generally are such a conversation starter for women because yeah yeah any two women next to each other and the conversation will quite quickly stare to like oh what products do you use uh what's your skincare routine what's your makeup routine what's your hair care routine and so yeah yeah, it is such a significant thing and it's so crucial to self-esteem I think beauty is a great decider of that for women um and I think especially those who have hair, I'd say hair care challenges, they can definitely speak to the fact that like if your hair isn't doing what you feel it should do or if you're struggling with something in particular, your confidence can take a major hit. And I think that's yeah. just an indication of just how important and significant it truly is. Yeah. And I think it's like anything like with beauty, um, skincare, makeup, whatever when you put effort into your hair like you just feel like a whole different person don't you so I guess yeah. like a hair care day or a self-care day or a I do like Sunday night facials like it just mm-hmm. makes you feel so much better about yourself and so much more confident and refreshed doesn't it 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 does it really really does and I think it is it's exactly like, like just taking time out to care for yourself because yeah a lot of the time you can find yourself genuinely bending over backwards to care for so many people and it's like taking that time out that's exclusively for you you've given yourself permission to care for you I think that's a really precious 
like I think that's really yeah. precious time just to protect even if it's just on a weekly basis yeah yeah I completely agree um what are some of your favorite products I know that's probably going to be a hard question to answer yeah. but what are some of your favorites or staples um so I would define my staples as far as category of of hair product so okay. I'm definitely a deep conditioner type of girl I know that some girls like some girly girls like to just use like a wash in wash out conditioner leave it in for like five minutes while they wash the rest of their body then rinse it off I'm the complete by opposite. deep condition by deep conditioner do you mean like a mask like a hair mask exactly yeah okay. Yeah. so I'm definitely that's definitely staple to me every single week without a doubt um some days if I'm feeling lazy I am a little bit naughty and I will cover my hair with a shower cap and go to sleep and wake up and wash it out in the morning <laughs> um but yeah that's absolutely a non-negotiable for me leave-in conditioners I prefer really light leave-in conditioners because my hair can get weighed down if I use like heavy butters and stuff so hair butters don't generally work in my hair instead like really light mm -hmm. um either like spray or like lotion type leave-ins really work well for my hair and I don't really mm -hmm. use much oil on my hair either surprisingly a lot of yeah. women with textured hair love oils but I don't really yeah. use them I don't I don't think they do me many favors yeah no that's good that it's honestly it's uh, it's such a minefield isn't it and it's almost like where like look at your backdrop like you've got hundreds of products there and it's like where do I start so it's good that you I guess the box and the, and the subscription really helps with people being able to try and test products that are suitable or maybe don't work on their hair. Like, I think it's, I think it's yeah. good to, to know both. Exactly. And that is the gamble. Like, I always say that I can't guarantee that you're going to love the products every month because I can't because mm -hmm. everyone loves different things. Everyone's hair um, responds to things differently, but at least you can walk into any store and think okay cool I know that I know that brand I know that works for me I know that doesn't work for me or like something as simple as like you're going to your friend's house and you need to use their products you can say okay cool I know that I like that brand I know that I like that brand and I know that I don't like that brand but it is having that knowledge and that insight that is really really valuable and again it builds your confidence like you won't perceive your hair to be a burden if you know that you have options and you know that you're making informed decisions based on experiences that you've had firsthand yeah yeah completely um what's your favorite thing about treasure tress um my favorite thing about treasure tress i have to say that it's um the fact that it's become so much more than just a subscription box so mm -hmm. it's not just a box like when you think about treasure tress it is about the experiences it's about the pop-up shops that we host it's about the events it's about the experiences it's the connections like so many women have come to a treasure trust event have been part of the treasure trust ecosystem and have found and made lifelong friendships and that for me is yeah. really really important so I would ultimately say it's like the sisterhood of it all because I yeah. know that for me so much of my life has been positively influenced by female friends older women aunties my mum um, and so to be able to allow women to connect in that same way through a business, through a beauty brand is really significant. So I would definitely say it's the sisterhood aspect of it, as opposed to it just being about a box of products. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's 
that's my I've probably spoken about it on here loads of times but that's my favorite thing about beauty is like just the womanhood that you get is like nowhere else in the entire world like I could I could ring one of someone I worked with 10 years ago and they'd still speak to me as if I saw them yesterday and Mm -hmm. there's just like a there's an element of like having each other's back and I guess it's like when you when you're really good friends with someone you have each other's back it's almost Mm -hmm. the same but in a in a weird capacity that we've all got this thing that ties us all together it doesn't matter if we know each other or not we just we've all got this like one connection it's really it's really good isn't it it's quite euphoric which is I don't know if that's the right word or not but yeah I just love it I really love it it is like a mute it's like a mutual understanding like yeah 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 it's a language that everyone can speak everyone can understand maybe there's like different accents because different people like different things in beauty some people like super minimalist whereas some people like to do the absolute most but regardless of which end you sit on at the spectrum there is still that common thread where it's like you can literally talk to anyone about beauty how they define beauty what their perception of beauty is and you can have a really rich conversation and ultimately build a really strong connection with literally anyone using beauty as a starting point yeah I absolutely love that with that then let's go into the final question of kind of what is your version of beauty um my version of beauty doesn't actually look any particular way aesthetically what Mm -hmm. I've realized is that the women that I find most beautiful I don't know why I'm only talking about women but the women that I find most beautiful (laughs) are the ones who have complete self-acceptance and how they gauge their beauty is not defined by an external metric like it actually has nothing to do with anyone else it's purely like how they felt like showing up in the world that day how they feel and it's just so individualistic so I would say that my version of beauty or my definition of like the ultimate beauty standard would have to be self-acceptance and self-expression so women who understand their body they know what works for them they know what makes them feel good and they choose to show up in the world that way yeah I love that thank you thank you so much and um yeah thanks for taking us thanks for taking us through the journey of you and your experiences and how that's kind of come to treasure trust and and built full circle because it was really interesting to hear so thank you Ah, thank you Chloe it's been really good speaking with you if you like this episode hit subscribe and leave us a review Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, Jamelia. 